The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. This program will provide the groundwork you need to advance your awareness and be involved in the approaching transformation in consciousness. Now, your host, Peter Tong. Hello and welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation and I'm your host, Peter Tong. Thank you for joining us today. I'm absolutely delighted to welcome back to the show Simran Singh, who is a fellow host of her own radio show on the Seventh Wave Network of Voice America. And I was just reflecting in the last couple of days, uh, preparing for the show, and realizing the last time Simran was on was back in February 2012. Uh, and a lot has taken place in the, in the two and a half years since, which, since, which we'll be talking about shortly. But Simran is a very, very important guest because she is an embodiment of the shift that is taking place in the world today in the return to full on sacred empowerment of the sacred feminine energies. And so welcome back to the show, Simran. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Peter. And it's just wonderful to have someone that is so deeply connected to the energies and the insights of, of this ever-changing time. So I applaud all of your work and everything that you do. Oh, thank you. We were just chatting again about the Mercury retrograde energies, which it's all about the word re, re, redo, replan, reorganize, but it's also about reflection and going deep within, reflecting perhaps on a few things. In the, I've been taken back to two aspects of my life this last week, going back to when I was an educator, going back to my old meditation space. And so it's a time to reflect upon during the retro time all these, these energies. And sometimes it's necessary just to stand still and be still and go within because the rest of the, the world isn't working the way it's supposed to, particularly around things like computers and travel and communication and so on. So uh, we're coming to the end of Mercury Retrograde next week, so you've got another week to continue uh, with your reflections. But Simran, for those... Yeah, I, uh, think, I think retrograde gets a really bad rap. And yeah. a deeply introspective person, if people realize that these periods come about to take us back inside to pick up pieces that we've lost or pieces that we have forgotten. And when we allow ourselves to pick up those pieces in a retrograde period and really discover the pattern or the belief, something truly shifts in our lives and we're able to catapult forward, not just move forward, but catapult forward into new experiences. Otherwise, if we miss that moment, we then have to wait and re-experience something again and then wait for another time to reflect back on it. And so people really need to allow their retrograde times to be moments of stillness and quiet and reflection and really relishing 
who they've been, both in their deepest, darkest spaces, in their wounds, in their tragedies, as well as in the triumphs and the climb and the strength that they've had to have to become, uh, to come to the place where they are right now. It's, it's all so beautiful. It is indeed. And that engine that, you, that, that you're talking about there, when you can work with that wound and work through the wound, it gives you this very powerful inner energy to move forward into the next step. As you say, it's like a propulsion forward as, as opposed to a holding back. But I, I would love you to share, because some of our listeners won't know your work and won't know you and your story. So if you could just give us a, a recap of your particular journey, uh, that would be wonderful. Most definitely. I don't really see myself as a teacher or a guru. I see myself more of an example to people because I have really uh, walked the walk that most people have. I've had situations where I've been bankrupt emotionally, where money's not been there, where relationships have fallen apart, where I've had codependency issues, where I've gone through so many of the same things that we all go through. And I've had those questions that we all have Like, why is this happening, or why am I here, or what's my purpose? And what I chose to do with all of that is really um, allow myself to fall into it, to break down enough into it to where I surrendered and opened, and I started getting messages through numbers, through the 11. So I'm kind of known as the 1111 lady. And the more I discovered... Uh, what these messages were trying to tell me, I discovered that we're all having messages all of the time, that there are actually uh, conversations with the universe, the name of my first book, that are continuously happening uh, every moment of every day and really speaking volumes to us as to how to guide us through our challenges. And so I started living that way and discovered many languages that the universe is speaking to us with. And so when I was on your show last time, it was around 2000. 12, uh, the, the 12, 21, 12, and I had talked a lot about um, 2011 and a, a new gateway that was opening as we moved through 2012, and my last two years have been profound. They have been huge leaps in many different ways, but it was because I was always willing to go in and to go back, and I want to really ground people in that because I think with with so many wanting to be in the ether, so many wanting to have visions or um, have some experiences or reach enlightenment, we have cast that so far up and outside of ourselves that we've forgotten why we even came to this planet. And it was to have physicality. It was to ground. It was to be in the body. It was to feel emotion. And we can't really attain the true heights of the ethers and our enlightenment unless we are willing to go to the depths of our core, which is the divine feminine. It is the wound. It is the the hard places. It is the, the deep, dark spaces. And so the last two years have been the experience of both of those, the heights and the depths. I was downloaded with my first book, Conversations with the Universe, and that resulted in a TED Talk. And then I was inspired to go on what was called the Rebel Road Tour. I had decided to leave an 18-year arranged marriage and be who I'd never been before because who I knew myself to be had gotten me as far as I could go. So I wanted to dive into the unknown self. And I allowed myself to play with the idea that maybe I could just get up on stage and speak or maybe I could sing or maybe I could do some comedy without having a plan and not even knowing how, without structuring any of it. And maybe people would invite me to come and everything that I needed 
would actually show up in the way that we've been taught about the laws of the universe because I really needed to know that they worked. I needed to know that they just weren't another theory or dogma. And so I followed those inspirations that kept coming through and just kept surrendering and kept saying yes. And I've had an incredible adventure this year of meeting amazing people, having incredible experiences, not having a clue as to what I was doing, where I was going, or why I was going there, and every step of the way being proven that we have these dots, these conversations with the universe that continually guide us, that these doors that we need to go through we will open to us if we will just follow those conversations and if we will surrender how we have put ourselves in servitude and bondage. I talk about that in my second book, which came out this past January, Your Journey to Enlightenment, because it really is an invitation that has to come from the self. It's not handed to us. Enlightenment's not something that we reach up and grab or someone up there gives us. We have to invite, invoke, and initiate it within ourselves. So, Simon, I just want to hold you there for a, just want to hold you there for a second because I do want you just yeah. to... To, to, to let our listeners know, because I know from speaking to you previously, that you grew up as, if you, if you want, <laughs> once with better language, the perfect child, the perfect daughter, the perfect wife, the perfect mother. And you, as we all were taught and believed culturally and from a family perspective, this was, this was the way good, obedient children behaved. And that ultimately led you to this incredible crash. So... So, again, how, how you put yourself into this situation where you have this deep-seated uh, cultural uh, belief that's inculcated in us that this is the way we're supposed to be, and it isn't. So, just talk a bit about that realization. Well, I was the ultimate people pleaser because throughout my life, from the time I was a young child, I just created every mask possible to be what everyone else needed me to be to survive. And we all do that. And what began happening in the last 10 years is piece by piece, the mass started cracking. And with the mass cracking, life started crumbling. And in those places where life is falling apart, where all of a sudden we look in the mirror and we realize that the face that is in front of us is really not our true face, that it has been a mask that we have put on to try to receive the love from someone that we so desperately want to love us, to try to attain status with people that we so desperately want to approve of us or to, to appreciate us, to just fit in. I think, I think there are two things that happen uh, as we grow through life. We so desperately want to fit in with everyone else. And then what tugs at us, on the opposite end inside is we so desperately want to be like no one else. We want to be so special. And that became the tug of war inside of me my entire life, unconsciously, of trying to be like everyone else, even though my culture, my skin, my expression was so uniquely different from everyone around me. And yet, yet wanting to celebrate this difference, uh, but not knowing how because it was so unaccepted. And I remember, I remember, again, the last conversation we had, you reached a point where you looked in the mirror and didn't see yourself at all. Well, for, for about 12 or 14 years, I couldn't even look in the mirror. I couldn't even look at myself. I had torn myself down so much. And then when I finally looked in the mirror, when I finally went to that one place, that one workshop, that one teacher that made me look in a mirror... I didn't know who that was. I had no idea 
who this person was in front of me. I actually had no idea of who I was at all. And it's okay to get to that place. It really is okay because that is the place where we can start fresh on a blank canvas once again. That's the place of innocence. But we so have having, to let ourselves fall into the despair. So having done that then, so what I'm really fascinated by is having got to that place of despair, deep despair, and coming back from that, and then organizing this rebel road to, which is the complete antithesis of that life. How did you manage uh, the self-doubt that tends to, to, to come in when, you, when you're not planning an organi- or over-organizing, over-planning, you're just allowing it to happen? How did you manage those feelings that would creep in? You know, I want to go back to 1111 Magazine because uh, sure, when that yeah. came in, I didn't know how to do that. I, did, I had never been in publishing, and that was probably my most broken point in my life. But the beauty of the universe is it, it trains us as we go along, so it's always going to hand us something that will be the thing to help us out of our despair, but that something will always utilize lessons and gifts that we've had in the past. And so even though I didn't know how to do 1111 Magazine, I had done certain tasks that were similar that allowed me to step-by-step step take the task, and I had been a workaholic. And so the universe knew if I had a, a, a project, something to sink my teeth into, it was enough to get me moving again. And so the same thing happened because I almost ended up at the exact same point. I Last year, when I decided that I, I was going to leave this marriage, this arranged marriage, I was at that place of not knowing who I was anymore. I wasn't broken on the floor like I had been seven years prior. But I was in this place of, gosh, I'm in this content place. I'm peaceful. I teach people through my radio show, and I give away this magazine for free, and it's helping a lot of people. But according to the laws that I write and and talk about, where's the bliss? Where's that place <laughs> yes, you know, yeah. that everyone talks about that you're supposed to reach? I'm content. I could live like this. There's not a problem. But where's the bliss? And that was what my question was. And so I thought, well, if I'm not reaching the bliss with who I am, maybe this is also a mask. Maybe 11.11 Magazine is another mask of mine, or 11.11 Talk Radio is another mask. It's just costumes. So if I even let go of all of that, if I let go of all the identity of even being the 11.11 person, what else is inside of me that I have never met? And and that's what pulled me forward. Now, to have the skills to do that, I can tell you they developed along the way. Because what I say to people in both of my books is that we're not on the journey. We are the journey. We're not in the world. We are every piece and part of the world. And we are experience experiencing itself. So we're not meant to be perfect right from the get-go. We don't have to have it rehearsed. What we are required to do is show up. Because so, Simran, I, I need to stop you there. because we'll learn just, along the way. I just need to hold you there because we're coming to our first break, but I really do want to continue with this when we return. It's Peter Tone for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. This is the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment 
in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you, to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. On the program Inside Out, our outsides match our insides. Join host Beth Green along with co-host James Maynard for an insightful weekly journey that lets us all be real with no boundaries. We'll discuss current events, interview amazing guests, challenge old ideas, and see ourselves and our world more clearly. It's about you as much as us. So you're invited to call in, write in, and most of all, tune in. Listen for Inside Out, live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. Thank you for joining us today. Just to remind us to go to my website, www.petertongue.com, where all of our radio shows and all the work that we do in the world, the Landscape Zodiac work, uh, all of the information, the newsletters. And also, if you want to join our Thursday morning live meditations, uh, you can just go to the website and click on the events page and join our Thursday morning meditation, which you can listen to live or archived as an MP3 download, which we will send to you. I have with me today Simran Singh making a very welcome return to the show after a two and a half year gap and we were beginning to talk at the end of the last segment about um, Simran's realization about the identities that we have to peel away, the masks that we wear, which even may seem to be the most important things we do in the world and, and uh, perhaps they need to be peeled up as well. So Simran, car- carry on with the story. <laughs> well, as I as I got myself to say yes to doing this Rebel Road tour and going on stage and, and singing and being a comedian and, and living without a plan to allow all of this to happen. The beauty of the universe is it does line things up. So just as it trains us in the past for what we have to do, when we say yes to something, it will also create the steps in front of us to support us in what we are going into. And so when I said yes to the comedy, all of a sudden... Um, World Puja Network called me, and they wanted me to do a show on their network. And I said to them, well, I don't want to do a show like I do on Voice America because I love the way that show is and the way it is on that network. But if you're interested, I'm supposed to become a comedian of some sort, <laughs> and I don't really know how to do that. And would you be open to me trying to find my funny as a radio show? And she liked the idea. And so all of a sudden I had this platform which provided accountability for me to show up and to try and to write material. And it allowed me a place to get comfortable 
trying to be that because I've never been funny. I don't have a funny bone in my body. I'm the most serious person on the planet. <laughs> and most spiritual people take things too seriously anyway. And I have. Absolutely. It's perfect. So what did you do? I, I came up, I have my own little brand of humor. I, I like to twist words and do different things. And, and so it ended up being talking about my life and talking about certain stories, but different twists on some of those things. Uh, or, or twist on uh, on experiences that I had, but using language to really play with it. And so I did that for a stint. And then the next step was, well, I don't really know if I can put on a two-hour show. How am I going to stand on stage for two hours and just talk by myself? All of a sudden, I started. Um, I, I got a call, and I had been selected to do a TED talk. And so I was then given a coach that would support me through the process of getting ready for the TED Talk because that was part of what comes with that. And so there, the universe supplied me exactly what I needed. And then when I did the 18-minute TED Talk called Conversations with the Universe, all of a sudden I realized, wow, that was 18 minutes. I could do this. I can get on stage. This 18 minutes went by very quickly. So that was the next step to let me know, okay, you can do that. You've done some comedy. You're not extremely funny. You're definitely no comedian, but you can bring out a few laughs. And the next part was the song. Well, I'd never written songs. I'd never sung before in my life, but all of a sudden music started showing up from other people. In fact, a couple of songs were written by other people and sent in to me that were very much my own story because they had studied my website, studied my newsletters. So it illustrated that when you do show up, People do come forward. Support comes forward. The things you need come forward without you even having to do anything. By just You just show up. And so I, I decided maybe I should get voice lessons because we're experienced, experiencing itself. So it doesn't mean we just sit back. It means we allow ourselves into the experience. So I thought, well, let me get some voice lessons. I was only able to get six. And by the end of that sixth voice lesson, it was time to leave to go on the road. And my voice instructor said, Simi, are you really going to do this? You don't have to do this. (laughs) Because I was not very good. I didn't have much of a voice and more so. I couldn't remember the words. I've never been good at memorizing. It just whatever has to come from my mouth has to just flow. And so I said, no, I must do this. And it's not about me being perfect the first time. Because I'm sure after singing 66 times, which was the number of cities I was visiting, I'm sure after the 66th time, I've got to have some sort of voice. (laughs) And so that was my... That was my manner of going out there. Uh, and Peter, I, I can tell you, an RV that I was shown in, in this vision that I got, it appeared. It appeared three weeks before I was supposed to go. Someone that heard me talk gave me their RV. They offered me an RV that was refurbished. It was 1991. It slept six people. It was 217 square feet, and it was perfect. It would fit all of us, and it became my home on the road. And about one week before we were supposed to go, 42 cities had already invited me to come. And so everything just showed up. It really just appeared. And I went to the very first show, which was in D.C., and I got up on stage, and I didn't know what I was going to say because nothing was planned. And I spoke, and it ended up stories came out, and things I needed to say came out, and some songs came out. And the two songs that came out, I forgot the last two verses of each of the songs. And there was music. So I just let people know very vulnerably, I've forgotten the last two verses of both of these songs, but this is my first time on stage and I'm thrilled with what I've done. And 
something amazing happened after that because I had four different people come up and say the exact same thing. And the very last one came up and said, I'm an opera singer, and I have just been given the biggest gift by you tonight. I have been too afraid to live my life, and I've been invited by four different troops to travel around the world to sing opera. And I've said no every time because I had one fear. I had a fear of forgetting the words, and you've just shown me how to forget the words. Wow. So what if it's all perfect? Everything. Yeah. yeah. So is that where the bliss is, actually? I think the bliss is really in allowing ourselves to be free enough to be in our pain, to be in our happiness, to be in our trials and tribulations, to be in the climb, and to be able to look back in reflection and say, wow, look at what I've done. Look at who I've been. Look at where I've reached. I've been the fallen angel and I've been the God of this creation at the same time. Yeah. So it's a tough question, and you may not want to answer it, but how, how does the universe do this? How, how, how did the universe create those numbers for you in the first place, and how, and how does it line these things up when we say yes? So what if the universe is you? What if there is really just you? And, and we have fabricated that there's a universe, and... I'm not saying that there's not a higher power. I'm not saying there's a more, not a more supreme essence. What I'm saying is you are that. And so if you are that and you were, you were loved so much that you were given the space and the time in this place of spacelessness and timelessness and boundlessness to, to have and create your own experience, what if you created this entire planet? And what if you created your story within this planet? And what if you are not only the planet, but you're every piece of the planet, the numbers, the signs, the insects that cross your path, the songs that show up at the right time, the books that appear at the right time, the radio shows that you listen to and the voices that you hear on them. What if you created it all as conversations with the universe, which in effect are just yourself? Because there's only one here, and it is divine. And all of this was done for you to simply live out the greatest experience of love possible, the greatest romance that could ever be known. And that was the lover and the beloved. The opportunity to know your full experience, expansion, and expression by knowing what it was like by first not being and not having to all of a sudden discovering your creative capacity and then being all of it. And what if so, each so one of the key pieces, one of the key pieces here is then see, some people would say, why would I create this horrendous situation for myself? But the answer is because there's something within that situation that, that we have decided we need to learn from at some deeper level. Well, I don't know, even know that it's that we need to learn. I think that we are children playing. I, what, consider that the earth is Disney World. Think about when you go on vacation. If you've been to Disney World or Disneyland, when you go there, what do you choose to do? You walk through the gardens and you enjoy them. You get on the roller coasters because you love the ups and the downs. You get on the Ferris wheels because you like going round and round and round. You like getting on the rides that make you go fast. Well, what if Earth is just our version, the divine version of Disneyland? It has its ups and downs. It has you in your spins. It has you going fast 
and it's got amazing gardens that you end up walking through and discovering you're the very flower that was planted. What if we've taken it all so seriously and this really was just about experience experiencing itself? How can we truly call the, the painful moments uh, as painful moments? Because what if that was required to reveal your greatness? But we didn't know that because we forgot we created it in the first place. We got so lost in our play. You know, the one thing about children, and my second book, Your Journey to Enlightenment, talks about the essence of children and how to go back and be that in our lives so that we have that aliveness and that bliss. The essence of children is when they're playing, they're so immersed in their playing, they forget everything else. Well, we are the divine child. And all that happened is we got so caught up in our play that we forgot we were playing. I'm actually uh, going through that experience now. I've got two little grandsons, one who's three uh, in a couple of weeks and one who's just one. And, and I'm finding myself getting into their world, which is just absolutely fantastic. So I, I do know exactly what you're saying. The difference, I think, that we have, have um, missed is that children allow themselves to fully experience. So your three-year-old grandchild, I'm sure that when he or she throws a tantrum, she's fully immersed in the ex- ecstasy of that tantrum. You know, my, my own four-year-old, he will have his arms and legs kicking and he'll be sweating and he'll be screaming and those tears will not stop until he has fully enjoyed the blissful moment of that tantrum. And then all of a sudden, he'll see some toy or something on television or something that he, or a puppy, and he'll be completely immersed in the ecstasy and bliss of laughter and joy, but he allows himself to feel the emotions to their full extent. He doesn't suppress anything. He doesn't bottle it. He doesn't cut it off. And I think that that's what we do as adults. And so we cut those off. We don't feel them fully. And in not feeling them fully, we can't allow the full height or depth of either one. And we suppress it in our bodies. And so we have to recreate the same experiences again and again. Because love always brings up anything unlike itself. And so it's trying to bring up everything that's discordant within us. And so it's going to make sure that we experience the experience again so that we can feel the full ecstasy because that's what we originally came for. And that's what we've missed as adults. If we would just let ourselves feel and experience and look at life from the place of the child, not from a childish place, but from a childlike place. So, Simran, we're coming up to our second break. We'll take that now. It's Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. 
Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Be the change. The 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. Thank you for joining us today. I'd just like to take this opportunity to thank my sponsors for this series of shows. Sherry Chase of uh, Chase International Real Estate Company in beautiful Lake Tahoe and Reno, Nevada. And also uh, the wonderful people at Voice America who support me in this show, Brandy Jackson, my producer, and Matt, who is our regular engineer, to make sure the show runs smoothly and that I have the opportunity to bring to you such great guests including Simran Singh, who is joining us today. And Simran, I'd love to, to hear more about the Rebel Road Tour and what happened after your comedic interludes and your singing. Did they all walk out? <laughs> <laughs> you know, people stayed and they kept coming and I kept getting better. It was interesting because I ended up losing my voice twice on the Rebel Road, um, not during show times, but in between shows. And every time I lost my voice, a different voice came. And so it was almost as if I was changing my own physiology by being willing to be this child, to be, to really play, to, to not do anything with an agenda because I want to make it very clear. This Rebel Road was for me. I knew it had to be for me. It was not done with the agenda of trying to fill up a room of people or trying to make any money or trying to attain any kind of recognition. I had to do this for me. I had to do this for the seven-year-old Simi that was never seen and created her life to such an extent that it would break down in the way that it broke down eventually. So this Rebel Road tour was for her and all of the other parts of me that needed to play and laugh and sing and express in ways they never had. And I didn't realize that until the journey was nearly ended. I was staying very present to the childlike experience of just being spontaneous and showing up at each event because every single event was different. Every show ended up being a different thing. And the voice strengthened. And I had people coming up to me saying, oh, my goodness, your voice is incredible. You know, and it was a few months in, it was maybe a few shows in, it was about a dozen, 15 shows in, and all of a sudden people were complimenting me in my voice, or they were laughing, you know, when I was on stage, and I was thinking, oh my goodness, what did I say? I don't even know what I said funny, and they were laughing. And so there's something that changes within you when you allow yourself to relax and be free. 
And so I made it through the first leg of the tour, signs and symbols and synchronicities like I speak about in conversations with the universe were showing up everywhere. I mean, they, I really, it was proven to me beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are endlessly being spoken to through the world around us and that doors open and the laws of the universe themselves were um, unanimously being shown to me as to how accurate and how powerful they were. And I look forward to writing this book because anyone that had any skepticism or doubt about that of, of my first book, Conversations with the Universe, or just doubt in their own mind, there's pages of proof after proof after proof that we are so supported and so guided. And so I've just completed the Rebel Road tour uh, this past week in Atlanta. And during the course of that, uh, we actually got bumped off the road because a mountain came in my way. Uh, I had a personal issue that arose that had me have to come back to South Carolina, and I continued the remaining shows from here. But what happened next was my publisher called and wanted a book. They said, we'd like another book to be written now. Do you have any ideas? And I said, I, I want to write a book about self-love because I've really experienced a journey of self-love in giving this to myself. But the irony was, as I began writing this book, I was taken back to every place of pain, every place of shame that existed within my life. And that is the book that has been written, which I'm finishing tomorrow and turning into my publisher. It will release in November. But that's where we need to go. We need to go to our utmost depths to find the, the, the part of ourselves that loved us so unconditionally that it would create such horror and trauma and drama to allow us to experience joy and bliss and creative capacity. And when we can merge those two, when we can bridge them, which was so much the essence of every story on the Rebel Road, it's about bridging the light and the dark, not saying I'm finished with that part of my life or I don't like that side of myself or that person, I don't deal with them anymore because they're not of the same vibration of me. That's not what it's about. It's about bridges, bridging it all to bring it to oneness. The more we say I'm healed or I'm done with that, the more separation we're creating. So can we embrace everything, all of the aspects, especially that which we don't want to see? That's the key to you opening up to the multidimensional being. That's the key to awakening to bliss and to all that you want your life to look like. You first have to go back before you can go forward. So first of all, congratulations on, on completing that tour. Just tell our listeners, just so they get a bit of a sense of the journey, when you began the journey and how many places you actually uh, uh, performed in, uh, uh, spontaneously uh, evolved in, shall we say. I don't know the best expression to use. It began in September, and it ended uh, this month. So it was an 11-month tour. I went to 66 cities, uh, 66 stops to actually express myself. And that's another very strong point because a lot of people are feeling stuck in their lives or stuck in their jobs or stuck in their relationships. And one thing became very evident through me and through two other women that just left their lives and decided to come on tour with me to completely support me, not asking me for anything, no money, no nothing. They just wanted to support me because they believed in what I was doing and they wanted to experience their own growth in whatever they were witnessing. And what I saw happen was when we get ourselves outside of the environment that we have kept ourselves in, 
we open our DNA in a way that we cannot, if we stay stuck in a place, that we don't seem to moving. Um, we open up something inside of us that allows us to live more vibrantly, to open a fountain of youth, to, to have a different perception and perspective on life. And so oftentimes we're so busy trying to cling to what we had, whether it was a relationship or a place we've lived or a house we've owned or a life we thought we had or a career, but the very place of aliveness that is waiting for you is more than likely in letting that go. In getting to the place where, where you're at clarity that it's what you need to do, but in letting that go. Because when you do that, you open up a window. You literally tear a veil away that is keeping you from a greater aspect of yourself. You're stepping into your unknown. And in effect, you're traveling your own rebel road. So what sort of uh, response have you get from people on the rebel road who, who came to uh, hear you speak? People left inspired. They left wanting to finally leap into the dream that has been tapping in their heart. And we all have that. We all have something that's been pulling at our gut or tapping at our heart that we make these excuses about as to why we can't do it. You know, I don't have the money or I'm a single mom with two kids or I've got to take some care of somebody. Uh, I, I can't leave this career. I've been in it too long or the people around me won't understand. A big one is, I don't know how. Uh, who's going to support me? Or how will the people around me feel about this? These are all excuses that we use to keep ourselves from living our dreams, from stepping into our power, from being who we most desire to be. And if we can step beyond the excuses, and I talk about that in your journey to enlightenment, then we release ourselves of the servitude and the bondage. We also let ourselves step out of the replication. We're no longer the Stepford human, and we become the creative rebel. And the creative rebel understands there really is no problem outside in the world, and there really is no problem inside of you. There is the opportunity to dive into your creative capacity. And when you do that, the inspiration that bubbles up, the example that you are in allowing yourself to be the creative rebel will be the solution, will be the cure to everything else that is around us. And so what this invitation is right now in this moment is for you to let go of what's binding you, to let go of what you have enslaved yourself with in your own life, to release the replication and having to be like everyone and everything else and stepping into your creative rebel, listening to what that tapping at the heart is asking you to do and following the conversations with the universe that are showing up around you all of the time to develop the trust to take the steps for yourself. A lot of people ask me, gosh, you were so courageous. How did you do that? How did you just go out on the road with your two kids in an RV and do all these things that you never did before. That just requires such courage. And what I want you to know is courage is not the opposite of fear. I had fear all along the way. It was necessary. Fear is a good thing. It's a juicy thing that helps give us impetus to rise. Courage is the opposite of conformity. We are in a disease of conformity. And when you step out of that into your courage, then you live a different life than the one you're living. So in some ways, you actually were giving people permission to do what they know they, they need to do anyway. Yes, 
I was being the example that was the permission, and I think that that's a distinction because yeah. we each have that capability. We can each be the example to give others permission to do the same. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah. And how did you manage to write the book in such a short time? How long have you been doing that? I, had, I began the book uh, probably about six weeks ago, and it has been pouring out of me, and it okay. has been the most cathartic, amazing experience. I mean, I thought, I thought I was on the rebel road on the bus. I realized that that rebel road was actually preparing me for a rebel road that's about to come through this book because the book is really raw and revealing and it is heart-wrenching and it is sad and it is painful and it is blissful and it is inspiring and it is amazing because that is all of us. And it's so interesting, the timing of it all, because it came during that Grand Cross was when I began it and I'm finishing it tomorrow. And so I've really taken these astrological periods that have been so powerful, unknowingly taken them and utilized them in, in this place for myself. And that's what another point I really want people to know is your life is here for you. If you're not focusing on yourself, if you're not focusing on what you need to do in regard to your interior or what you need to allow in regard to your dreams, then you're not living life. You're not alive. You have to know that you have to be your first and foremost concern because you can't help or love anything else unless you have first assisted and loved yourself. It's a great time for us to take a break there, Simran, which we'll do. It's a Peter Tongue for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. The 7th Wave Channel on The Voice America Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. We all want peace. We all desire a more meaningful life. We work hard to achieve these things, but at what avail? The key is authentic living with Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of the great spiritual experts of today and will provide wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your own I am. Your authenticity can give you miraculous gifts, but you have to know how to get there. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the 7th Wave Network. Be Visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. 
If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. Thank you for joining us today. Just want to uh, take this opportunity to give Simran the opportunity to tell you about her work and her website and uh, her 1111 magazine. So, Simran, over to you. Oh, thank you so much, Peter. I would love to invite all of you to access 1111 magazine. It's completely free. It's a bi-monthly magazine that I put out, and the archives are right there for you to access at any time. You can go to 1111mag.com. That's 1111mag.com. I have two books, Conversations with the Universe, which really do help instill a basis of trust. What I realized through the past and what helped me so much with the Conversations with the Universe is I didn't trust. I didn't trust life or the universe or people or myself, and in learning this language with the universe, it really instilled with me a sense of trust that, that I live with grounded in every single day and guided by every single day. So Conversations with the Universe. And the second book is Your Journey to Enlightenment to really help individuals step out of their conformity and step into their dreams, to step into the place of courage, to live what you don't know, and to do it from that childlike place by really reclaiming the eyes, the ears, the expression of the child as we walk in a world in a place that we're supposed to be so serious and adult-like. And you can find out about those books uh, at my website, simran-sing.com. That's S-I-M-R-A-N-S-I-N-G-H.com. Super, thank you. And uh, that TED Talk that you did was absolutely beautiful. You talk about setting this, the, the ambience or the energy perfectly for the message that you brought across. So if anybody hasn't seen that yet, how do they get to that, Simran? It is also on my website at simran-sing.com or you can go to YouTube and put in my name and conversations with the universe and you'll see it. I, I, I found it hilarious that they put a disclaimer on, <laughs> on the YouTube, basically saying that, that, that your, your view of uh, God and the universe and how it works <laughs> wasn't theirs. Yes, there is a disclaimer. <laughs> but, you know, even that was a message, um, yeah. Peter, because in my book that I've currently written, there's a story that I, I share, and I ended up sharing the story on the Rebel Road, and it was about when I was seven years old, and my sister and I had been entered in a beauty pageant in a tiny Bible Belt South uh, town. And we were in this pageant, very excited, new to this town. Um, our parents had put us in there because the people in the town said that that was the thing that everyone did and we should go. And we go through the course of the pageant, and at intermission, they line up all the girls. And so on one side of the stage are all of the African-American girls. On the other side of the stage are all of the Caucasian girls. And my sister and I are in the middle, the brown girls. And it looked like the back row of a crayon box, the way that they have all the colors arranged. And the MC ended up calling us forward. And in that moment, I thought something amazing was supposed to happen. And then the words came out of her mouth. And she said, I want to thank you both for being in the Little Miss pageant. However, we select one black queen and one white queen, and you two are neither, so we're going to have to disqualify you. Please go. Here's here's some coloring books and crayons, and now we need you to go behind the curtain. And that experience was the experience 
that made me feel like I would never be accepted, that, I, that life was not safe, that people were, the, the, the experience of seeing people whisper and laugh and point and then being sent behind the curtain and having to stay there for the rest of the pageant was devastating to me, and I didn't realize it until I started this tour and this memory came up. And the interesting thing is my sister was called back out on stage because she was supposed to sing at intermission. And... Um, she sang her song, which, funny enough, was This Land is Your Land, This Land is Mine. So there's a conversation that they didn't get. <laughs> and she got a standing ovation, and they cheered, and they clapped. And so she developed a tape in her head that was, I'm loved, and I'm approved, and I'm accepted, and the world embraces me. And she is actually the current governor of South Carolina, running for her second term. So that shows how the belief systems and experiences can send people completely down different paths because she became the extrovert, I became the introvert. And, you know, when this happened with TED Talk, um, because initially that, that disclaimer was not there, and then about midway through the tour, someone mentioned it to me, and then I realized it was there, and I thought, wow, I'm still creating the beauty pageant experience. I still got qualified. <laughs> wow, interesting. So I'd love to, to – we've talked on the show, or you've talked extensively on the show about our individual uh, coming to this realization. Uh, so in terms of this journey you've just done across the states – uh, where, what's your sense of where the collective is and how the universe is uh, assisting us in, in this awakening journey and, and how you're sensing this as a collective as opposed to an individual? I, I think collectively everything is moving as it should be. I look at everything that's breaking down or feels feels discordant as actually something good. I believe we live in a self-organizing structure, and so whatever is happening is always going to be for the highest it was really fascinating to me as I traveled throughout the country to feel the density in different areas of the country. And definitely the Northeast and, and up, up through the Midwest, those are much denser places. And then you get out West and it's not as dense. But there's a difference. Uh, the, the issue that happened more along the East Coast and, and slightly inward was that people were avoiding they're avoiding the, the darkness, the shadows being in their body. They're clamoring for things. They're wanting to find tools and techniques and, and ways. And it's almost like an escapism type of thing rather than being in their bodies and experiencing themselves. And then the further west we went, it was almost as if people were just floating up in the ethers. And they weren't in their body. And they were just about the love and the light and all of that kind of stuff, but not seeing that the dark is also light. And so I'm making a generalization here because, of course, there were lots of different kinds of people. But in general, that was what I experienced. And I think the lesson here is if we can learn to be in the body and really feel collectively what's going on by looking at the world, it's showing us, and allow ourselves to do some of the love and light work in the upper realms, but allow ourselves to know ourselves in our humanity only then will we be able to help actual humanity. Because our humanity is really something that's inside. We think humanity is about this world of people outside. But we've lost the humanity on the inside to even be able to touch and grasp and hold some of the things that we think are horrible out in the world. And that's why they stay so separate. And they stay so anchored in where they are. And so if we can take all of that and really go inside and nurture and love... That's the place where we are the change in the world. And 
as an individual as that looks, the more of us doing that are creating the collective shift. Simran, that's a wonderful place for us to finish the show. It's gone by unbelievably quickly, and I've really, really enjoyed listening to your wisdom and your experience as the experiencer. So thank you so much for joining me today. It's been an honor and a pleasure, Peter, and I look forward to having you on my show later as well. Oh, we'll look forward to that, certainly. Thank you so much. So my guest next week is another very interesting guest, Suzanne Giesman, who was a naval commander in the U.S. Navy and started getting messages from spirit to support and help people on their journey who've lost loved ones dear to their heart. And she has got some very specific evidential uh, information from spirit uh, to clearly indicate the presence of loved ones around us and actually now says she has proof of this as opposed to evidence. So that should be another very interesting show with Suzanne Giesman next week. I hope you've enjoyed today's show with Simran Singh. Have a wonderful week. It's Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. We hope that you found this week's show to be enlightening and inspiring. Please join host Peter Tung for another edition of Awakening to Conscious Creation next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network.